0: Hello, this is episode 336 of the Purple Psychology Podcast, I'm Nisha O'Reilly. So I'm recording this podcast in advance, long before I'm going to put it out. It's just that partly I need to declutter my head and also I'm going to be away next week. I have a huge amount of information rattling around inside my head because I've Spend so much time studying so many interviews, so much material. I've gone back and listened to what was originally um, an Audible original book by Stephen Fry, but has now turned into a podcast series. So I'll put a a link for those in to the description. But I'm not really going to talk about those aspects yet today. So, I realized that there's at least three podcasts in this. So, I'm, I'm gradually starting to, to try and get it into some order and to just sort of declutter so that I can start to see and think. And I suppose the first question I ask myself is what sort of person and what sort of personality was Queen Elizabeth II? that made her able to be the stateswoman that she was. And we've seen a huge outpouring of respect for her as an individual from such a diverse array of people, from prime ministers to country statespeople to a fishmonger in Cork in Ireland who connected with her during her state visit to the country a number of years ago. And it's turned out that they've continued to correspond with each other in letters ever since. But there's a sense from everybody that she was incredibly easy to talk to, put people at ease, had a very wide, diverse set of conversation topics, which is Pretty useful, considering the sort of role that she had and the, the number of function dinners and meetings that she had with people. But what what led to her being able to do that? And at the same time, there's obviously been an outpouring of bitterness and wounds towards the institution that she represents. and I'd like to go to those topics later, partly out of respect but also partly to try to build to understand maybe where humanity is at now versus the person that she was brought up to be. And it's interesting for me, like, I always say that certain personalities will deal with situations differently. So it's a combination of your personality and your experiences, the circumstances of the sort of family you're brought up in, the way that you're brought up. I think we, we try to squash everything into boxes and, and it doesn't work like that. What you can do with personalities is you can understand why people react the way they do or they don't react in her case, which I'm going to talk about. But the rest of it is is sort of in the lap of the gods as to what experiences and what circumstances you end up growing up in and what you do with those and how you integrate them. And so the great thing about her life was that she was never expected to take the throne. And that's a really pivotal key point because it meant that she had a really enjoyable childhood. She was exceptionally close to her sister. She was homeschooled that schooling was quite minimal in terms of academic demands and expectations. So it was a great freedom. She spent a huge amount of time outdoors in nature. She was always very drawn to animals, to horses and to dogs. She had a huge amount in common with her sister, which was great. And they did an awful lot together and she was quite cocooned and her family unit was very self-contained she didn't do that much time in the public eye. Whatever time she did, it was kind of very clear to her the boundaries and the expectations of her. There was a sense of protecting her. And then the whole world changed when Edward abdicated. And it's funny because I started maybe studying that part of the story quite some time ago to see the similarities in how the world press has been persecuting a current figure in in the family and that changed everything because her her own father wasn't expecting to take the trial and suddenly he needed to he felt incredibly underprepared for that role he probably wasn't a personality that would have easily stepped forward and stepped into that position I think he suffered a great deal of anxiety and distress as a result it wasn't an easy thing for him to do And so he realized that he needed to support and give his daughter the tools that she would need to step into the life that was suddenly expected of her. So her world changed very dramatically at 10, which was a really nice age for that to change actually, because our personalities don't tend to fully form until six or seven. And by 10, we start to become more aware of our external environment. And so 10 is a nice age for your world to suddenly turn around. If it had turned around while she was 8, she wouldn't have been as predisposed to being able to cope with it. And if she had had a very different life between, say, the ages of 10 to 15, that would have set a different sort of set of habits and set of behaviors and patterns within her old her own existence to sort of undo and unravel. So 10 was like, you know, a a really pivotal point and a really good point for the world to sort of go, actually, we have a different plan for you here. So it's kind of funny how these things stack up. And so at that point, she was exposed to a huge level of education. She was educated by an Ethan teacher. She was given... Uh, sort of a training in geography and the world and politics and the sort of vast array of just sheer knowledge that you would need to be able to meet people and to understand the world and all of what the British Empire entailed. And this is the, the parts that start to get a bit sort of sticky because there is there, there are huge wounds and there's a huge trail there. And she was also thought through in French, as that would be seen to be beneficial to her, especially in, again, another part of the extension of the monarch was in Canada. So she was was given um, a teaching and a training and a, a base at that point for what she needed to go out into the world and face and do. And it was a big shift and it was quite difficult for herself and her sister because they were used to doing everything together. And suddenly she was different to her sister and there was a a gap and a distance between them, but that was still navigated as well because they still ended up with a good relationship. So that must've been navigated very well at home. It's kind of like, well, suddenly one of you is expected to step out into the world and be a a stateswoman here, and one of you isn't. But, you know, there was no sense of maybe inequality or... I'm trying to find the right word here, but but in, in, in younger generations, you can very clearly see a rift in terms of expectation and privilege and a sense of betterment to other people because of what's expected of you. None of that was was present, so that was navigated much better than it has been in younger generations. There wasn't a sense of entitlement put forward, there was a sense of duty. And those are very different concepts. And the last really pivotal part of, of this makeup of this structure for her was also being allowed to be in a relationship with somebody that would form a good partnership with her and be by her side and be a support, but that she ultimately wanted to form that partnership with. And that's also been got spectacularly wrong in different generations in this family. Like, it's a very difficult place to move from when the outside world has a great deal of expectation of you, an unrealistic expectation of you, and that determines so much of your actual personal life. And it's so important for us to be in a really strong partnership to go out and face the sort of demands that are expected of us. It's much easier to do that with somebody by your side, who really doesn't have a, a difficulty in putting you first, because that's ultimately what the hierarchy demands of you. And and that was a, a big part to the dynamic of their relationship. And if you think about it, for the woman to be above and to be seen in that way by everybody else externally. So those are the nuggets I see that allow Queen Elizabeth II to have been the person that she was. The other really important nugget, which I don't think we're going to see in the future, was a very interesting personality trait of hers, which was that you didn't really know what she thought. She was very good at masking her feelings. And this is something that I have trained myself to do while working with people, because it's really important to not appear to have judgment of others as they open up to you. And to have a sort of a stillness and um, a peace and a quietness as other people connect with you. It's a really interesting balance to have. We often get the the ideas of empathy and understanding and the terms of feelings and emotions confused with each other. People will match you and meet you because of your ability to have empathy with other people. And so you will hear over and over about her ability to put people at ease and for anyone to have a conversation with her. But you will also see that she was a very staunch figure who you didn't really know what she was thinking. And that's an incredibly useful tool in something like this family because the very strange thing about their position, and again I'm going to go into this in later podcasts, is they have... A certain degree of influence as to what's taking place on the world stage but they have no public opinion on politics or on any position and just pause and think about that for a moment and think about how difficult that is to navigate so you're on a pedestal everyone expects this perfection from you expects a degree of etiquette from you and behavior from you, you're sort of involved in everything, but you never give a single public opinion as to any of what is taking place in the world as a statesperson. And it's extraordinary to see her impact and to see how much has taken place in the last 70 years of her reign. But that we don't have any opinions. And even during the vote for Scottish independence, she was asked what she thought. And she simply said that she hoped that the people would think long and hard about their own future. She's been asking people to look inward and, and form their own opinions, but she's not giving one. And the then Prime Minister sort of let the cat out of the bag and sort of issued an off the cuff statement her feelings when she heard the result of that vote. And he had to apologize for that and say that it was a horrible mistake for him to say anything because we weren't supposed to know her opinions or her feelings. I think that's an extraordinary line and an extraordinary place to move from and live from when when you start to really think about it. And you start to really think about it in a modern context of how everyone feels they have a right to their opinion and to sort of project that out to the world, to everybody, and to have a say in everything, and to have an influence. Like at some point in all that I have digested, and I can't find it again, someone made the point that she never tried to make herself, she never tried to create the status of herself. And part of that is she didn't need to, which is the very complicated history of the monarchy that comes with, many scars and many wounds. But also it, it comes from the fact that she didn't believe in doing that. As, as an individual, as her personality, she didn't believe in putting herself forward in the world in that way. And that's very admirable, especially when you look at how desperate everybody is to create a place and a platform and a voice and an opinion and a following and an influence and all of those things that we have in the modern world. Um, in one of the later podcasts, I'm going to go into the ironies of, of status that everyone is so desperate for and so desperate for that association with. But yet, very few of the, the monarchs have in her way truly emanated that poise and that self-containment and I think it's going to be it was always going to be a hard act to follow but very few people have had have that innate natural ability or takes the time to form it. They, they see the points in forming it or they their own ego doesn't overtake and they don't sort of step into that world and think, well, you know, of, of course you're you're beneath me and you have to answer for me and you have to pick this up and you have to do that and you have to do the other. And, you know, it's a whole sort of wave of, of self and of movement and a way of moving and being that just sort of pours out of you in, in, in a very entitled way. I don't honestly know how you would spend 70 years being... So much in the limelight meets so many people with so much history and no one to ever know what you think about anything. I think that's quite a remarkable achievement.